Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. In a series on divine health and healing. How many people in here, you believe that God can keep you healthy all of your days? Wave your hands at me. How many people in here believe that if you do get sick, God is the healer and he's the first person you want to come to? Wave your hand at me. The rest of you, we're going to try and work on you for the remainder of today's service. (laughs) Truthfully, though, we will. We started last week, and and the reason why I actually started this series, um, I try so, so, so much as a leader. Uh, I know that it seems like I just say whatever I want to say. (laughs) <laughs> but I, I actually very intentional about what I what I try and communicate. And I ask the Lord constantly, Father, please, like, let my words be the words that need to be said. Not just, let me no one just get up there and say something that is not going to bear forth fruit. But I say that to say I try so hard to be intentional and not reactionary because I believe that the kingdom of God is a proactive kingdom. That we are ultimately, if all the Christians do is react to the world, then you're not changing the world. You're basically just taking a back seat to the world and letting them govern everything, and then you react, however, to them. And it's like you have to move in the opposite spirit and be proactive to change. Reaction doesn't change things. But so I, I say that to say this I know we're in coronavirus, everything going on, and, and uh, but I believe. people out you've got to stand on the promises of God and say no if I take any deadly thing it will not hurt me you can breathe chlorine gas into my house but if God says it's not my time to go I believe that I will not go do you believe it if you believe it shout amen in this house right now come on yes God nothing can cut your life short if your heart is right with God and you're serving the Lord But I did something last week that is important. I'm going to do it again right now. How many of you have witnessed supernatural healings in your life? Raise your hands loud and proud. Say, look, I have seen God supernaturally heal people. Look around the room right now. You see the majority of hands are in the air. God is a healer. Say it with me. Say, God is a healer. He's a miracle worker. Amen. Now put your hands down. How many of you have seen a Christian? that got sick, that did not get healed, raise your hands. Now look around the room. The majority has their hands up. So what I'm about to minister this morning may not be the greatest celebration, shout hallelujah, run around the place eight times, high five your neighbor and say, I told you this is where you need to be, message. Don't you love how it's always a good message, you're always thinking about the other person that needed to hear it? glad my wife's here today. She needs this one. I'm good. I'm totally good. She needs it. The Lord must be the most, he is the most patient. I mean, imagine the stupidity of some of our prayers that we constantly pray and we think it's genuine and the Lord's like, oh my gosh. But today I'm going to talk about blockades to healing. The reason why I'm dealing with that is, let me just lay this out. So, we live in a generation that is so concerned with their feelings that you can't preach the word lest you hurt someone's feelings. So that we're all babied up. And when I was a kid, we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I'm rubber, you're glue, what you say bounces off me and sticks to you. Do you remember, did anybody remember that? Now, this generation is so caught up on they bullied me. They posted on social media about me. And don't say that. You might hurt someone's feelings. As if your feelings are my responsibility. <laughs> I feel some people are loving this. Other people are actually, I feel the tension. I might already be hurting people's feelings right now. I'm so sorry, but not sorry.
feelings are very fickle. The feelings can change so quickly. You cannot let feelings govern your life. And you can't let wisdom be imparted to you, but you have a you get a sad feeling about it, so you reject wisdom. Then you don't grow. Then you can't heal. Then you can't um, bring unity. People don't bring unity. Everybody's like unity, but really what they're saying is be like me. Do what I want you to do. But that's not unity. Unity is diversity unified with a common purpose. Amen. That's to build the kingdom of God and stand for righteousness. But we're different. I'll say things you would never say. You'll say things I would never say. Person alone. How quickly could God's army be defeated if it were rested on one person? The enemy put all of his tactics on that person and it shut down. That's not God. God says, I'll put my spirit upon all flesh. Come on, somebody. Are you all flesh today? Then you got the spirit on the inside of you and you are the devil's worst nightmare. News flash. When the devil goes to bed, he checks under it to see if you're hiding under that bed. He asked Beelzebub, please close the closet door. <laughs> Jeff was in there last night. As soon as you walked out, he came out. Ra, da, 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 da. <laughs> you are the devil's worst nightmare. Amen. But I'm going to say blockages to healing. The reason why this matters is because it is literally said people focus. On avoiding this so that if you avoid the fact that you have a responsibility to walk in the healing of God, then what you're doing is inadvertently blaming God for not healing. Well, I didn't get healed, but it's the Lord's fault. We'll just say it because, you know, it's all good. It's all great. It doesn't require great faith to be healed. The Bible says faith, the grain of a mustard seed, can move mountains. It's not great faith, but there are blockages. There are things that you are responsible for that can shut down it. And the reason why you need to swallow that pill is you cannot be the person that blames God. Never blame God. Don't get in your mind that you have a right to blame God. The whole lesson of Job, which everybody uses as Job to be the example of this is, this is proof that God inflicts you with sickness to teach you lessons. Everything in Job, if you read Job, really read Job, God was angry with Job's friends because Job's friends judged Job. So his friends, and if you read it, they sound very wise. I'm not going to be very honest with you. You read Job, they sound wise. But what they're constantly saying is, Job, you must be wicked, and that is why you are sick. So you need to repent. They judged Job for what he was going through. And the reason why God was mad with Job is because Job blamed God. You got that. That's why God was not happy with Job. He was like, how dare you blame me, basically, is what it came down to. And then Job repented. The Lord restored twofold. If you're going through a Job moment, go ahead and repent. Get yourself right, and the Lord will restore you. Amen. So that's the God that we serve. Don't get in your mind that you, you are perfect, and God's the one not fulfilling his side of the bargain. I did everything I was supposed to do, Pastor Caleb. I prayed. I prophesied. I fasted. I even drank green beverages. So obviously the Lord just wants me to be sick. Well, from the fruit of your own lips, you will remain sick. And one day you'll stand before the Lord and you'll be like, how dumb was I to ever say that about the Lord? Amen. Are you still happy this morning? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm very happy. There's nothing he can say that will make me not happy. That you didn't say that part. All right, blockades to healing. Things you're responsible for. Say responsible. Responsible means you have a moral and ethical duty to something or someone. Requirement means a thing that is needed or wanted. Let me lay this out. Colossians 2.14, before I go through blockades of healing. Colossians 2.14 says, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us. He's taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. There is no requirements that you have to fulfill for God to be a healer. Okay? So when I talk about blockages, we're talking about responsibilities on your part, not requirements for you to walk in it. You have a responsibility to grow up. Do you agree with that? This generation wants everything given to us because we came forward in one altar call. 
I came forward in an altar call last week. I'm a prophet. I'm going to prophesy over you in the parking lot. I'm going to blow my shofar over you. I'm going to lay hands on the sick. And you're like, bro, slow down. Spiritually, you're a tiny little baby that is still going to the bathroom on itself. (laughs) Parents, we know. You need to be cleaned up weekly, daily. But you're growing, and it's great, and we celebrate that. But we, we're like the instant generation. I went to a prayer service. That dude laid hands on me. Now I can speak to the nations. <laughs> we have people that come to this church that say they got, they've gotten, this has happened more than once, where they come in and they're, if you don't recognize that they're the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, they literally have like seven titles. Then they're not going to serve. They don't want to serve on serve team. That is beneath them because they're an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher. And that the Lord said that they're supposed to come to this church and actually start ministering. And I need to take a step down. That's the world that some people think that way. And you're like, bro, you you don't even know what I've had to go through to stand for one Sunday here. You know, it's like when they came to Jesus, we want to be at your right hand and left hand. Jesus is like, do you really want to drink from the cup I'm about to drink from? You really you really open up, open up. Mm. You don't even know what you're asking for. So my approach to the Lord is, God, I'm happy where I am. If it be your will that I go further, help me to do that. (laughs) But you have a responsibility to grow up. You cannot be a baby Christian your whole life. And there's a lot of people that are professional babies. Reject that. Say, man, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to learn to, to, to consume the word. I'm going to let the word sometimes check me. If every message is always fun and wonderful uh, and, and, my, and I feel like everything's great, then are we being checked by the word? When's the last time you heard a message that graded you that you had to go and read the word and find out it was truth and get yourself right with God? That's transformation. And so it matters. So we have a responsibility. Um, So number one, a blockage to healing is ignorance. Probably one of the most common things for why people don't actually receive healing or walk in divine health is they're ignorant concerning the word, the promises of God, and things going on around them. This covers a broad spectrum of reality. Number one, it has been taught that God gives people sickness in order to teach them lessons. And we went through that, well, Job, and I'm going to probably dive into that a whole lot more Next week, possibly. But the reality... Is my mic not good? But the reality is... (laughs) Thanks, baby. Could you hear me better? The reality is, is God does not give you sickness to teach you lessons. God takes sickness away from you to teach you that He's good. But ignorance is a very prevalent thing. There's a lot of people. Ignorance just means you ignore the truth. You're ignoring your right responsibility to grow up. That's what ignorance is. So you ignore your responsibility to grow. And so you stay where you are. And the enemy keeps you bound based upon your limited understanding. When you do not understand what is happening, then you go along with it. When you begin to grow and mature and understand the promises of God and walk in uprightness and an understanding of the word, there comes a deeper authority upon your life because you are not ignorant concerning these things. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. Now, my my father-in-law had a brother that got sick with cancer, uh, leukemia, I believe is what it was, and he went to a healing service and God healed him. Radically healed him. Every, he was literally dying. Like barely could move. God reversed it all. His strength came back. His body was well. He actually went back to working where he was working before. But the leukemia came in because he was washing his hands in a chemical substance that causes cancer, which he did not know. He went right back to work, washed his hands in the same substance, and died shortly after that as it came back more aggressive than before. Now that is basically natural ignorance. So in other words, God is saying my people perish because they're not growing. They're not tapping into the Lord. God can heal you, but on the top of that, if something's going on, this is your opportunity to ask God, Lord, what is going on in me? How has this made its way in? And if the Lord tells you, stop doing that, don't touch that, stay away from that, now you have an understanding from God of this is what's going on, and I'll walk away from that thing in my life. Amen. I mean, people realize God did give you common sense Thank the Lord for that, that you can put your shoes on and you can tie your shoes. 
that you could drive yourself to church this morning. Wake up call right there. Lord's saying, come on. Time to stop being ignorant and just grow up. You know, my people perish for lack of knowledge. Because you rejected knowledge, I will reject you from being priests for me. Because you've forgotten the law of your Lord, I will also forget your children. Hosea 4.6, very strong scripture. So God does expect you. Um, I mean, what does he say in the New Testament to ask and keep asking, seek and keep seeking? What is seeking? Seeking is discovering the Lord, discovering his ways, discovering his word and growing in that. And it is very intentional that it's a continuous process in your life. You seek and keep on seeking. So you're constantly progressing in the kingdom of God. Amen. Where you are today is not where you should be next year. And as a minister of the gospel, I tell people when I preach the word, you should go home with your Bible, open it up and actually testify. Did I tell the truth or not? You with me? Most preachers don't say that, but you should check what people say. Do not follow someone because they're charismatic and sound like they know what they're talking about. You have the word available to you. Go home and read it. Get it in your spirit. Let the Holy Spirit train you and teach you and then confirm it. Amen. Then it goes from something heard in the head to something caught by the spirit and it becomes revelation and you walk in that authority. You have. God can cause people and people have done this to where they walk in such levels of divine health. They simply do not get sick anymore. And when it tries to come on them, they rebuke it and it's like it's gone instantly. You can read great stories. People walk in the earth right now that are not even getting a cold during cold season because they have an understanding of divine health and they're walking upright with God and they walk in that level of health. How many people would love to walk in that? Like, come on, somebody, stir it up. It's accessible. Say it's accessible. It's a promise from God, which means it is truth. And if you don't yet have it, it's not God's fault. It's that revelation needs to grow on the inside of you. You got to get rid of ignorance and you got to be bold enough and mature enough to say, I'm going to study this till I have this because it's mine in Jesus name. I'm feeling the fire. Come on. That's the Pentecostal shuffle right there. Number two, another blockage to healing is unbelief. Unbelief. Now, this has been a year where you are checking what do I believe. I said this last night. It's been, what do I actually believe right now? Do I believe that God will supernaturally protect me from every virus known to man? Because if you believe it, belief changes your actions. Now, do you believe it? Do you believe that the blood of Jesus washes you? He's checking beliefs. And the Bible talks about, actually in um, Hebrews, very strong scripture. Uh, it says, beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Say that again, an evil heart of unbelief. In departing from the living God, but exhort one another daily while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. That's strong. So when we think about unbelief, we think about, oh, I got a little bit of doubt, but Lord, remove the doubt. The Bible calls unbelief an evil heart of unbelief. I think what, what ultimately comes down to is that a lot of people say they believe in God. They believe in the word. They believe, yeah, I believe in church. I believe we should do that. But when it comes down to the governance of their life, their beliefs are not so strong that it changes their actions. I think what God is saying here, which the Bible is clearly says that in Jesus' hometown, he could do no mighty work because of what? Their unbelief. Their unbelief. I think the same word in the Greek, I, I was reading it this week, that is used for unbelief <clears throat> is also used for disobedience. So it's literally what God is saying, that evil heart of unbelief is when someone knows. There are many people that know God or know his word. They were raised in some capacity of true uh, understanding of the Lord, of his word. There are people, America is one of the most church societies there are. You get a revelance or a, a bit of the truth, but it's like, are you taking it and applying it personally to your life to where it changes the way you govern yourself? That's what God's saying. So he's saying, look, you want to do what you want to do? But you want me to do what you want you to want what you want me to do? There's a problem there. That's what he's talking about. When you want to do what you want to do, and then you come to the Lord when you need healing, 
And you're like, just do it, God, because you have an obligation. God says the breakdown is, is you're not fulfilling your part of the bargain. And you know better than what you're doing. There's an evil heart of unbelief, of rebellion towards God. Rebellion towards the reality of what you know God to do. I remember meeting an old lady in Huna, Alaska. She said, when I was a kid, all the churches in Huna were packed out on Sundays. And she said then, and she blamed herself, my generation did not put the same emphasis on going to church that our parents put on us. And she said, two generations now later, my grandkids, there are more people in the bars of Huna on Sunday morning than there are in all the churches combined. Because our generation missed it, she said. It took a a pure heart to admit that and see that and realize, how am I displaying the kingdom of God? Do my kids come to church because I make them to come to church? And do I grumble and complain about going to church? I mean, what am I truly believing and displaying right now in my life? Belief matters. So if there's something in your life that you know you need to do or you know better than, but you're not doing that, God will hold you to that. Why? Because He's a just God. Amen? So that's what He's speaking about. And then this next thing goes into unconfessed sin. That's another blockage for healing. Unconfessed sin. And I believe, so the one means you know better than what you're doing. So this would be unbelief. You can witness it sometimes in church people. They don't really believe, so their life is kind of here and there. But another thing about unbelief is the person that... Um, it's like, I know better, but I don't care. You know people like that. Yeah, I know the Lord wants this, but I don't really care. I'm not that person. I'm this way. And they think that they have the right to not mature and grow. You know people like that? It's like they let themselves, I know, you know the Lord doesn't want me to do this, but I'm going to do it anyways. God has an issue with that. Second thing is unconfessed sin has more to do with the fake person. The fake person that walks in here, shouts glory, hallelujah, Runs around the place, but is living like hell on Friday night. The fake person that says, I love God with all my life, but just is tearing down his wife, his kids, and being totally fake. You think that you can get away with it. Maybe the church doesn't know what's going on in your life, but God knows everything going on. That is unconfessed sin. James says it. He says, look, confess your faults one to another. Pray for each other that you, heal, that you may be healed. So God is not looking for fake people, right? Thank God for that. Thank the Lord that His standards are greater than our standards. Thank God that He knows the heart. Proverbs 28 says, He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. So there's people... Why that matters, I want to instruct you because oftentimes we've seen people and it's not about judging, but in the body of Christ, you witness someone that you have always thought, man, this is a great Christian from everything I've known. And yet suddenly it's like they're taken off this planet. There could be a million and one reasons, but one thing could be that they were not actually doing everything that they acted like they were doing. There was some fakeness in them. Anybody in here ever been fake before? Look at the truth in this place. That's why I love this church. Like half the hands. My name's not even Caleb. (laughs) No, we can get fake. You know, fakeness is a major part of society today. We live in a very fake world. It's all fabricated. So we get so caught up in this fake world. I mean, think about it. In America, we all act like we have this life of luxury, but most of us are paying bills for everything that we own. (laughs) I own that car. Yeah, you do. So does Southeastern Automotive Financial Care. I own this house. Yes, so does the USDA loan. And thank God that we have that opportunity that we can, you know, but the reality is it's fake. You don't own it. Someone else owns it. You're making a payment. You're renting it. Most of our hair in here is fake. (laughs) Social media world is so fake. You take 18 pictures to look good for one. Me and my wife love trying to do duck face together. 
circling around the restaurant. Now this lighting's better. <laughs> kind of get that angle. I mean, if you look at us, we look ridiculous, but that image gets a hundred plus likes. It looks so good. It's a fake world. We get caught up so much in fakeness, we don't realize we come to God fake. You forget you've been putting up a facade for so long, you come to God totally fake. Yeah, you know, I'm an upright Christian and blah, 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 blah. You got to come to the Lord humbly. Like, God, I do not want to be fake. I do not want to represent you wrong. I do not want to be a person that acts like I have this, and I don't actually have this. I want you. I need you. I want you. Come into me. Change me. Renew me. Strengthen me. Put a right spirit on the inside of me. Jesus, go deep. And in that, it's like, boom, things that were going on in your life, God heals you. Why? Because he got rid of the junk that was contaminating you in your spirit, man. Don't be fake. Nobody likes fake things. Number four, a really big common reason for blockage in healing is resentment or unforgiveness. Unforgiveness plagues people. Especially in the realms of marriage. Like I got married. Was not what I thought. Person was a jerk. Now I'm really upset and I'm hurt. Been with them for 28 years. We made it work. <laughs> I see this stuff all the time. You know, we, we're, we've been 30 years together. You know, we didn't want to tear it apart. But it's such a hardened heart. Literally heard people that have been married 40 years say they haven't said I love you to each other in 30 years. You imagine that. And you might be in this room right now. I am not picking on you. I want you to hear this. That there's a reason if God says you have to forgive, then that means he has given you the power to forgive anything. Anything. Any horrible Devastating, unbelievable thing done wrong you. God has already given you the power to release that so that it does not hold you captive. But if you let it be held in your heart, uh, a heart of unforgiveness, it's like a root of bitterness that takes place and it opens the door. It's almost like it is an attraction for sickness to come in. It's almost like a flashing beacon light to the enemy saying, this person is weak, you can take them out because their heart is not free with the Lord right now. You have to forgive people. We did a, a, a television show, my wife and I, this week. We went to, to Super Channel 55. And there's a woman that we did the show with uh, named Miss Linda. And um, radical testimony. She wrote a book. But years and years ago, when she was younger, her daughter was murdered. Uh, and the guy that murdered her daughter, of course, went to prison. He was not an adult at the time. She was younger, I think her daughter was 12, and the guy was around 15. And he murdered her daughter, amongst other things, and, and went to prison. And she was going to the Lord seeking help. Was there, you know, that's a traumatic event. And the Lord said, I want you to visit the kid in prison. And I want you to begin to minister to him my love. So she started going to prison to visit the kid that murdered her daughter. And wound up ministering to him. He got saved, glorious, trans, gloriously transformed, and she actually adopted him as her son. Brought him into her house when he got out of prison. Raised him for the remainder of his life. And today, him and her are both in the full-time ministry and travel around the nation of America telling people about the power of forgiveness. God has given you the power to forgive anything. And because she was willing to forgive, this man's life that was, that was damned, that nobody would have been able to get out, was brought into the kingdom of light. And now everything the devil tried to use to destroy, God has turned it around to heal, save, set free, and deliver. That's the power of God. Come on, somebody. 
say, man, I've been done wrong by. You could have been abused. You could have had all sorts of wicked. I'm not saying that there's not a reason for you to have unforgiveness. I'm saying that there is a power God has given you to not let that unforgiveness reign in your life. That does not have the power to di dictate your life. You let it go. You bless those that hurt you. You move on and you do not identify as the victim that was in that moment. You identify as the person that had the power to say, I release you from that. And it will not affect the remainder of my days. A friend of mine pastors a church in Houston, Texas. His dad started the Texas Syndicate Gang, one of, one of the most notorious gangs in Texas. They were wild, murdered. His dad would murder people and then go outside and fire guns off into the air until the police surrounded his house and arrested him. Because it was safer for him in prison after he murdered another gang member. He would go to jail, stay in there, and then get out. That's how, he, that's how they were raised. They used to bribe police officers to take the police cars to run drugs with. Or when they heard about an, another gang in town running drugs, they would bribe the police, take the cop car, pull them over, and take the, the drugs from them. Dressed up and impersonating police officers in Houston, Texas. And so he grew up like this. His dad went to prison. His brother got murdered in a drive-by shooting. He was standing on the street corner. Uh, they, had, they had stolen drugs from another gang. The gang had busted into the their house and shot up people but, but, and stole the drugs back. But they were standing on the street corner when they were coming by. Guy rolled down the window, shot three times, shot his brother, and killed his brother. And so his dad's in prison. His brother's been murdered on the streets. And he wound up seeking the Lord. And through a beautiful, just unbelievable story, his life gets radically, dramatically turned around. He's going to church. The Lord is moving in his heart. Big old guy, six foot five, whatever, massive guy. It's like a big gentle giant, like a big teddy bear now. God so softened his heart. His church is called the Power of Love Church because literally it's about the power of love. And they, they literally embody it. So his life has changed. But in the midst of the transformation, he goes to the church that he's been going to. Pretty big church in Houston. And he looks over and he sees the man that murdered his brother come to church. And his, he said, in my heart, everything went nuts. His mind was going crazy. He was, everything was like hyperventilating, basically. Like, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Hate, anger, upsetness, fear, un everything. Uh, scared of whether people were going to judge me because they find out my story. Everything that comes, the enemy, that's what the enemy does. He has one part of your life, he hammers you. So he was so, didn't know what to do. He waited till after church and he hid under the pew because he did not want to see this man on the way out. He said, and he said I made up my mind, we're going to go, me and my wife, we're going to go to another church now and or I'm not going to see him again. Or I don't even know he was married, single at the time. I'm going to another church so I never have this problem again. But what he didn't know was the same guy that murdered his brother saw him when he came in and he was so nervous, so upset, and so scared, he hid under the pew too. Because <laughs> he didn't want to leave and see the guy either. So literally the sanctuary is empty, everybody's gone, and they both stand up in the sanctuary all alone, <laughs> see each other, and he said this was one of the most powerful moments of his life. An unbelievable force drew them together. They ran at each other, hugged each other, and both of them just started crying. And it was like God brought healing and they were crying and both of them just repenting for everything and asking for forgiveness and asking for all this. And God just brought healing. But today, both of those men, both pastor churches in Houston, Texas, ministers of the gospel because of the power of forgiveness, they actually do outreaches together and get up and talk about the story of he murdered my brother and we're standing calling each other brothers today. Come on, that's the power of of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You say, I've been done wrong by. Nobody is saying you were not done wrong by. But, but the, the Bible is saying it doesn't matter if you were raped, abused, beaten. All of these wicked things. Everything the enemy did to crush your spirit. God gives you a brand new spirit. With power and authority to release those that have done you wrong. So that it does not have any hold on you. How do you know if you need forgiveness? If a name is mentioned and you go like, <laughs> there's a root issue going on there. Come on, somebody. <laughs> You're like, I love Jesus. Susan.
then obviously something is going on on the inside of you, and you need to get that right. People that have done you wrong by, the Bible says you're supposed to get to a place where you so release them that you actually bless them. Think about that. To where there's such healing in your body, someone has hurt you, and you're sitting there praying, God, prosper them. Lord, may they know your presence. May you be upon them. May you lead them forward. May you bless that household. May the blessing of God so overtake them, Lord, that everywhere they turn, the blessing of God is there. I thank you for it, and I bless them. You know why God did that? Because what he knows is that when you get angry and you get bitter and you get unforgiveness in your heart, the natural thing, the flesh, wants to curse that person. I pray their life unravels. I pray, I pray their car breaks down, the roof falls in, the dog dies, the grill explodes, the refrigerator dies and the eggs go rotten. I pray their hair falls out. You want all that to happen. But what you don't understand is this person might be themselves moving forward in the things of God, repenting of their sin, Getting right with God. And what happens is all your bitterness does not change the blessing that is coming on their life. And so God instructs you. You bless them. So that when they do come to me and they do know me and they do begin to prosper. When I have instructed you to bless them. Now you're a part of that story. Instead of getting angrier and angrier because they are prospering and you're remaining where you're at. And that's what happens with unforgiveness. You're like, God, why are you blessing them? Because they have an individual covenant with God. And they might have repented for the things that they have done. And they're moving on. And you're stuck in the place of victimhood. You release them. You bless them. And then when God blesses both of you, it becomes a story of triumph in your life. That's the God that we serve. He can heal every part involved. If you believe it, shout amen. Come on, somebody. Mark 11 says, when you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Powerful. Absolute true. Number five, a blockage to healing and walking in divine health. You ready for this one? Occult involvement. Occult involvement. There is a demonic world. Do you understand that? There is the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Now the devil... Please understand, it would be great if, if the devil just always showed up with his big old ugly self, scaly, tail flopping behind him, horns on his head, follow me, this had to be, and you'd be like, no, get thee behind me, Satan, but the devil doesn't do that, he actually is subtle, he comes in and masquerades. He builds his kingdom in the seen world through things that are attractive to the flesh and the eye. Things that seem like this is good. This music just sounds really good, but you listen to it. And the spirit that it carries on it. And you let that get in your spirit. And before long, this is governing actually how you feel. You say, the devil can't do that. He led worship in heaven. He understands these things. It's getting real up in here right now. Christians. That are like, no, I, I believe the word. But you're still checking your horoscope to find out the word of the month. It says, I'm going to find Mr. Right this week. Bro, it has said you're going to find Mr. Right for 17 years and you're still single. You know why? Because you're looking at the horoscope and said the Holy Ghost. Look to the Holy Ghost. People coming in agreement with these things. They, they come to church. They don't get a word. They're calling up psychics. Driving down the road, listening to all these demonic voices to come in agreement with it. You've got to cut that junk out of your life. All in for God. Nobody else has the power or the authority to tell you where your life is going to go. It's in the hands of the Almighty. I don't need a horoscope. I don't need a weather change. I don't, need a, I don't even need a prophetic word that cost me $1,000 on the Christian television network. That ain't the word of the Lord. Because my God does not sell himself for $1,000. He gave it all freely. Come on, somebody. You do not align yourself with manipulations of men or demons. You don't come lining up with secret societies that masquerade themselves as great things, but in their written bylaws or demonic agendas. 
You cut that junk off of your life. I have no association with that. If it even looks dark, I step out of it because I want the light and only the light. See, it's a tough message to hear in this generation. But people have been lulled to sleep. New ageism has crept into the body of Christ, into the church, where people are just bringing out things of new age things and all this jargon and craziness. And they don't understand. If you read the Bible, the New Testament, you realize that when the Romans overthrew the Greeks, they didn't tear down the temples because they were profit-making temples. So they just changed the names of the gods from Greek gods to Roman gods and still let them operate. It still happens in society today. Demonic principalities still get glorified. They just masquerade themselves. They ain't calling themselves Beelzebub. But the church follows them blindly. And God's calling His people, wake up. Get spiritualized. Come out from among dark things. If it associates with wickedness and you're in agreement with them, you're in covenant with dark things, cut that off. And I go so far, and you might not like this, but I go so far that I believe you have an obligation when you know companies are literally supporting demonic agendas, I don't give them my money. I pray they shut down. You close down. You'll not get a dollar from me because what I do is for the glory of the Lord. I'll find a competitor that is not doing what you're doing and I will give my money to them because where I sow, the blessing of God goes. And I will not come and partaker of demonic things. Now, I understand you don't know everything, but when you start being aware of these things, are you with me? Is this okay? Come on, there's literally stuff going on to tear down everything righteous. And as believers, I believe the church is the largest financial power on the planet today. I believe the majority of the wealth is held in the hands of God's people. And I understand there's wicked people with billions, but if you took the church together, we are stronger financially than all of them combined. But we let them manipulate us because we like what they present. And so the church just says, well, we'll just go ahead and let them get away with it. No. No, wake up. Be like, no, we will not be involved in that. We walk in the fear of the Lord, the supernatural presence of God. We draw a line in the sand, and we do not partake in wicked things. If we're aware of them, we cut it out. Are you with me so far? Exodus 23, this is what the Lord said when he called his people out of bondage into the promised land. He says, you shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do according to their works. But you shall utterly overthrow them and completely break down their sacred pillars. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. Very prevalent healing scripture. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. People quote it, but they stop. They just start at 25, and they don't pull up to 24 when God specifically said, you want sickness removed from your midst? Do not associate with any demonic God that is in the nation that I'm calling you to overthrow them in your life. So if you used to play with crystals and Buddhas, I've nothing down how many stories I've heard of people went to pray and the Lord showed them, you get this out of your house, burning that junk in the backyard and healing was released in their household because they didn't understand it, but there was a curse in their house based upon things they were associating with. You with me right now? Is this okay? Are you happy? You're like, let's go back to uh, the Lord is good. He is good. And you have a responsibility to stand for that goodness. Occult involvement, fortune telling, Ouija boards, horoscopes, superstitions. Listen, I hear people in the church all the time, black cat, black cat. <laughs> oh, it could be a tabby cat. It's a cat. Did you see the way it looked at me? That's the way every cat looks at you. I mean, we all know they all run around with little demons in them, okay? I grew up in Tennessee. They used to tell a story. The devil possessed a rat to get onto the ark. And a cat ate the rat. And that's why cats are full of the devil. They're always slinking around in the dark. They look at you and you're like, something ain't right right there. Fluffy ain't feeling fluffy thoughts right now. I'm telling you. Fluffy, go, go. Yeah. 
bind you. I bind you. Where's the dog? Release the hounds. Being here setting up for like for like the youth, uh, like a VBS, and you walk under a ladder, and people are like, you walked under that ladder. You spilled the salt. Oh, I did? Let me spill it on you, bro. You need to get a little more salty, okay? Wake up. You can spill the salt. You can walk under a ladder. You can break a mirror. You can walk by 800 times. Nothing's going to touch you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. Make these things have power of you? That's ridiculous. tell a fun story it has nothing to do with spiritual value but it's fun before I, before I got saved I had this hunger I, I want I, I wanted to explore the supernatural and oftentimes where I was grown where I was raised there wasn't like a spirit-filled church we 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 were like Acts chapter 19 we had not so much as heard there was a Holy Spirit and so there was no move of God in my area at the time it was just dry religion so obviously when you're hungry for the supernatural the church doesn't seem to have it. So you're looking at the things the world talks about, which is really, you know, haunted houses, crazy stuff like this. So I had, we, we would do it all the time. And every story we'd hear about, we'd go and research. And most of it's total hogwash. There is a demonic realm, though, that you could encounter in some capacity. But I remember this one story we hear about this abandoned church in the middle of nowhere, you know. It always has that story. Down this road, take a left. Your phone will stop working. A dog will howl. The moon will peel through. Yeah. And so we find this church, and it's out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, just like, it's like you, you really are in the middle of nowhere. And the door was locked, but the story was that there's this Bible, and if you take this Bible, this Bible gets heavier and heavier and heavier the farther you take it away. So we're, you know, how many people have heard this story before? It's like, oh, wow. I thought it was like, Seth, come on, be bold. At least there's two of us. It's like the age-old story. So you're like, if you take it, you know, my cousin's brother's sister's aunt, she took it, her ear fell off. And you're like, for real? Oh, yeah, she still doesn't have an ear today. <laughs> so I'm like, this is legit. So we drive to this, this locked up. So my friend boosts me up to this window, and the window's unlocked. So then I fall through the window, and it's way up, and I hit the ground. I'm hurting. I'm hitting stuff. It's all dark. I'm like, oh, what did I hit? And I, all I have is a Zippo lighter. I light it up, and right in front of me was an electric chair. I was like, ah! Like, bro, they, that is not what you're expecting. I'm running through this place. Ah! Like the only moron in the building right now. Everybody else is safely outside. I'm like, ah! I run through the building. I'm tripping over things in the dark. I get to the front door. I open the door. And I, 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 I'm like, get in here. And then I realize in the midst of all of this, I turned on every light switch on the way out, and the lights are on. And we're like, wait, this is actually a church. And we walk in the side room, and it was their side storage room where they had just done a hallelujah night with, like, a, one of those fake electric chairs to get people saved. And we were like, oh, my God, we broke into a church. Lord, bless this place. We're so sorry, Father. Like, I was like, it was not an electric chair. I told you it had no spiritual value. Okay, moving on. Intermission is done. Moving on. Lock the door back up, climb out the window, and drive on down the road. For the record, we did not steal the Bible in the pulpit that night. We left it where it was. All right, another reason a blockage to healing is a curse on you or your family, a curse. Now, hear me when I say this. The blood of Jesus removes every curse on your life. When you're truly saved and the blood of Jesus is on your life, the enemy, any doesn't matter if somebody spoke something over your life, that thing is broken once and for all. It is done away with. So I believe that. I do believe it. I believe that people could literally speak things against you, but if you're walking upright with God, it cannot get to you. I do believe in that protection 100%. I don't care what goes on around you. But I do understand that a curse can come from your own mouth. 
And that's where most people miss it. That they open up their mouth and they bring curses on themselves by agreeing with demonic things. You say, well, what does that mean? It's the person that opens their mouth. It's coronavirus. Most likely I'm going to get it three times. <laughs> Flu season's coming. I get it every single year. My granddad died of cancer. My dad died of cancer. I'll probably die of cancer. You hear people utter stuff and they don't even realize what's coming out of their mouths. And then they wonder what goes on in their life. Well, watch what you say. Don't agree with those things. You are a brand new creation. It doesn't matter if you've always got sick every year. To this year, I will not get sick in Jesus' name. This year, the blood of Jesus is enough. The supernatural healing power of God sustains my life. I won't get sick. I won't sneeze. You have a seizure like, bye, behind you. No. Take a sneeze and turn into tongues. If that's you, you spoke those things. The Bible says, the Lord said, I've said before you today, blessing and cursing, life and death. Therefore, choose life. The choice is yours. And so and so many people don't realize what authority is released on their voice and agreeing with heaven and releasing the power of heaven upon their life. And so they say what they want to say at the time based upon how they feel and think that it doesn't matter what they say. What you say matters. You with me this morning? So if you're that person that has been saying that, speaking negative things out over your life, your body, your household, stuff like that. You know, I grew up in the South. I heard the sayings all the time. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. <laughs> My grandpappy always said we'd lose the farm. Well, your grandpappy was a moron. <laughs> no, he was probably a good guy. <laughs> but you ain't losing the farm in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? Like, watch what you say. We Culturally, we get desensitized. To commonplace sayings that are uttered that you don't realize is actually just opening the door for the enemy to do whatever he wants. And you got to be like, wait a second, what is coming out of my mouth? No, that's not what I believe. What I believe is that the blood of Jesus is enough. What I believe is the word is the pl plumb line of my life. It's the foundation of my life. That he is my healer. That his, his goodness is enough. His presence is enough. His blood covers me. I will not have those things. And if you've said things from your mouth. That you realize I should not have said. Repent. Lord, I repent for that. I pull those words up. May they not produce any fruit. May the fruit of your word be the fruit of my life from this day forward. Amen. So it's quickly dealt with. But if you're in that place and you're like, God, what is going on in my life? This is why I say it's a responsibility. If you're sick, you cannot come and blame God like Job did. you got to come to God humbly and say, Lord, seriously. Tell me what's going on in my life. And if the Lord says, it's this thing that you've been doing, break that thing. Amen. And then walk out the blessing of God and the healing of God upon your life. But do not be a person that blames God and lets things go on and just say, so you feel like you're proving that God doesn't always heal. And there's a lot of people that do that. Because they can feel justified. See, I told you, God doesn't always heal. God doesn't always heal, but He's always a healer. And the breakdown is never the Lord, it is always us. So if you said something you shouldn't say, repent, move on, bind that thing, and God will bless you. Amen? Quickly dealt with. Lastly, evil spirits. A blockage to healing is that it's actually a spiritual thing. Uh, everywhere Jesus went, he would heal all that were oppressed to the devil. Can a Christian be possessed? <clears throat> Some people say yes. I don't know entirely that they can be possessed. I know that they can very much unknowingly get oppressed by the enemy, which some of the things I went through, opening certain doors in your life to the, to the enemy, you don't realize what effect he's having upon your physical body. But ultimately, it's a spiritual attack. Poor sick spirit leads to a poor sick body. If you get your spirit infected by the enemy, well, then it's going to manifest in the flesh. And this is where you see it and we hear it, that people go to the doctor and the doctor cannot find what is wrong with you. They have ran every test. There is no understanding. They do not know what's going on with me because it is not a natural thing going on in your life. It's a spiritual attack from hell. And the only solution is not a pill, not a medication, and not a surgery. The solution is to take authority over that thing and cast it out of your life. Amen? Come on, somebody. You with me right now? 
It's a spiritual thing. Luke 4.40 says, When the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid hands on them, speaking of Jesus, every one of them, and healed them. And demons came out of many of them, crying and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Spiritual things. If you're a person that is in recurring sickness, it has plagued families, generations, and it does look like a curse. It could be a spiritual attack upon your life. And the power of God through you, through the authority of His Word, His name, His blood, gives you the authority to cast those things out of your life. Or maybe it's not you, but it's someone that you love. And you're like, I've prayed for Him, I've fasted, Pastor Caleb, what is going on? I would venture to say, and it takes boldness to do this. When we started this service talking about we need to be bolder. Sometimes you got to try and call it out. And just go up to your aunt and be like, you foul demon from hell, come out. <laughs> and, and if your aunt just looks at you and says, why would you call me a demon? Say, I, I was just trying, but, you know, I lo- love you, love you, aunt. <laughs> but if Aunt Susie starts twitching and growling, sounding more like Uncle George, we've hit the nail on the head right now. I knew it. I knew it. You get out of her life. Take authority. And let me tell you something. I was young in the Lord. And I want to encourage you with this, and then we're going to close, and we're going to pray. I was young in the Lord, and my aunt tried to, tried to kill herself. And she called us, said I overdosed on pills, and it was devastating. I got in my truck. I got there. Of course, she wound up living in that, oper- that moment I get radically set free of drugs and alcohol in the midst of this season of my life. And in the midst of this young Christian, baby Christian, the Lord says to me, Caleb, it's a demonic spirit attacking your aunt. Go in there, call it out, take authority over it, and I will set her free. And so I looked to the people in my life that were spiritual leaders at the time, and I told them what the Lord said to me. And they said to me, no, it is not a spiritual attack. She's just... That's just the way she is. You just got to love her, and hopefully the Lord will, will save her. Well, two years later, she completed the job and took her life. And right before she took her life, I was sitting in the room, baby Christian, really, at the time. And, like, the power of God was in the place. I felt this holy moment of God. She was there. I was there. I was all alone with my aunt. And it was like a holy hush hit the room. And in my spirit, the spirit of God was like, now. Now take authority. Now take authority. And I didn't do it. I let fear in. I let doubt in. And I stayed quiet. And the moment passed me by. Three days later, she took her life. And that ate me up like you would not believe. I felt like the lowest of the low, the worst of the worst, because I knew that the Lord had spoken to me and that I had an opportunity to make a difference. And here's the deal. We look at the spiritual world and we so often stay away from it because we don't want to be looked at as weird. Well, I don't want to be the weird guy that called something out and I don't want that on my life. So what you do is you wind up letting things go on and go on and go on that God does not want to go on. Now, at the end of the day, am I the one responsible? No, I'm not. But the Lord gave me an opportunity to see her free. She still made the choice. But I'm here to tell you today, don't be like me in that moment. If something is going on around you and your household and your family, have the boldness to call the thing out. And if it is the Lord and things happen, praise God that you didn't let that opportunity pass you by because your head told you, what will people think of me? Doesn't matter what they think of you. Because if what you feel by the Spirit of God is truth and there's something going on, then they're about to get set free. And what they're going to think is, thank God someone in my life was aware of the fact that I was going through this. But if something, they just look at you and it wasn't a spiritual attack and you tried it and you missed God, hey, that's how you grow. And at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter. You move on and keep going. But I'm telling you, there's a spiritual world that so often we let the enemy continue to go unchecked and uncalled out because of fear of what will people think about us. It's time for the church to shake off the fear of man. Rise up and realize we have been called of God to show forth His glory in this generation. Where the Lord moves, God heals. He sets people free. He delivers people. He's real. His kingdom is real. And He's given His name to you. His spirit to you. And you have a responsibility as a believer to grow and show forth those things. 
Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives.